0: Dennis, last week we spoke about the wonderful herb fenugreek. There was Mm. quite a lot going on with fenugreek, and it has an amazing amazing number of uses. But there's there's even more you want to say about (laughs) fenugreek today.
1: Jane, I was a bit overwhelmed. Of all the programs I've done, I don't think we've had so much feedback and interest as the one we did on fenugreek. So I want to take a little bit more time to exhaust this surprising herb and talk about some of its other characteristics.
0: Gwen's question first. Of She's asking if fenugreek is useful in lowering cholesterol.
1: Gwen, fortunately for you, it is very, very effective. And this is one of the reasons why uh, today I wanted to spend a little bit more time on this herb, this food, this remedy. Keep in mind, Gwen, the great statement by the Great uh, Greek philosopher who said, uh, "Food is your best medicine," and fenugreek is a classic example of that. Last week we spoke uh, somewhat about the uh, usefulness of fenugreek as a remedy to address uh, mucusy states, if we want to use that term, mucusy states of the upper respiratory tract or the sinuses, and we had confirmation of its benefit when one patient or one client, I should say, or listener, I should say, rang in and uh, reiterated the benefit that we claimed for that. But uh, fenugreek has multiple uh, possibilities. Now, it has multiple possibilities because if you do an analysis of the seed, it is the seed of the herb that contains the benefit, the therapeutic and nutritional benefits. If you do an analysis of the seed of fenugreek, you will find that it has numerous well-defined chemical characteristics. And interestingly, in fenugreek, there is a significant amount of what's called nicotinic acid. Now, it's one of the B vitamins, and it has a reputation of being useful in helping promote cholesterol reduction. But that is only one, that is only one uh, explanation as to how this food or this herb uh, lowers cholesterol, and we're talking about uh, moderately elevated levels, although in some cases I've had uh, clients or patients with cholesterol levels fairly elevated do remarkably well on, on uh, fenugreek. but fenugreek also contains some uh, unique uh, fiber characteristics. Uh, characteristic to fenugreek. We've said a lot on this program over the years about various forms of fiber and how fiber in things like oat bran, for instance, is useful in helping reduce cholesterol levels. Fenugreek contains a very interesting fiber content which has been taken up by some uh, medicinal medicine companies around the world. I think the leading one is a French company. Uh, Don't hold me to it, but I think they... They produced a product called Fenulite. Don't hold me to it. I think that's the the name of it, which is a sophisticated uh, modern rendition of the chemistry of fenugreek, which is called up to address cholesterol levels. I would think think that anyone who is interested in doing something to naturally reduce their cholesterol levels should begin to use the uh, recommended level, which is about a teaspoonful of the powder, That's about five grams, a teaspoonful of the fenugreek powder, uh, two to three times daily. Now, if you're going to go down that pathway, it has to be seen as almost a a medicinal uh, approach. That is, it's not just something that's taken ad hoc occasionally or in a bit of curry or something like that. It means that you start using the fenugreek, uh, certainly as a simple powder, which you can purchase from the health food store or the uh, the supermarket or an Asian food store, a teaspoonful of the fenugreek powder, a couple of times a day, persevered with, persevered with, over quite a few months, I would suggest, uh, say, three months, uh, being on fenugreek at that level. Of course, in conjunction with a diet also that's rich in in fibre, particularly soluble forms of fibre, and particularly also fibre-derived, uh, from oat, oat bran. Oat bran contains a constituent called beta-glucan. Now, beta-glucan in oat bran and the uh, f- the fiber from fenugreek, in my opinion, would be a very, very useful and potentially remarkable way of helping reduce your cholesterol levels. And don't be put off by the cynicism that still exists out there uh, from people who think the only way to reduce cholesterol is by using modern statin drugs. Statin drugs have their place in medicine. It would be foolish to say otherwise. But for goodness sake, and I encourage you, Gwen, and all listeners, if you have cholesterol level, a cholesterol level that can't uh, sustain uh, prescription medication, don't throw the towel in. Go on to some fenugreek, persevere with it, get on the net and look at the information that will confirm everything I've said today. Tell your GP... Tell your GP what you're doing. He can monitor it and get the appropriate tests done and tell you how you're going. I would be surprised if you didn't do well.
0: Peter's rung in, and Peter, you're asking about a herb for nasal mucus, yes?
1: Yes. Hello, Peter. How are you, Dennis? Good, good.
0: Was it something you heard previously?
1: Yeah, it was on a last week's show, and you okay. spoke about it finally. Okay. Peter, what we were speaking about uh, last week... Uh, and have started to talk about already today, is the, is the well-known herb uh, fenugreek. Uh, fenugreek. Fenugreek is a herb. It, in fact, it's a fodder crop as well, and has and grown all around the world, but particularly in Middle Eastern countries, where I said last week it is highly revered. And um, in, in Islam in particular, it was one of the favorite herbs of the Prophet. It's got a great reputation in the Middle East, but also in other countries, particularly India, and it is known and used in, in Western countries, but perhaps not as well-known and well-used as in those other cultures. But uh, it is it has a remarkable reputation uh, for the ability to progressively clear the sinuses. So where you have people that suffer what... Uh, we used to call, and I still use the term, upper respiratory tract catarrh. It is one of those remedies that, if persevered with, will progressively improve the functioning of the mucous membrane of the sinuses and nasal passages, reduce some of the inflammatory activity, and as a, re- as a result, lessen the uh, large amount of mucus that some people suffer, and suffer for very, very long periods of time. If you haven't tried... Uh, fenugreek. I would suggest you give it a go. I said to a previous listener, uh, you need to persevere with it. Remember, this is not just a medicinal herb, but it's a medicinal food. And I think that's the thing we need to emphasize constantly on this program, that foods do have medicinal benefits. And in the world today, there is a discipline uh, that uses what are called nutraceuticals. The term nutri meaning nutritional, aceutical, is equivalent to pharmaceuticals. So fenugreek is a nutraceutical, a medicinal food, which can be used in things like curry and an enjoyable uh, food flavoring agent, but when used in, in the dose of, say, about a teaspoonful equivalent of the powder, two to three times daily, and you can also take it, of course, in sophisticated preparations, uh, such as in uh, capsules, or you can also take it in preparations such as liquid extracts. If you work with that and give it a go, I'd be surprised if it didn't do something for this mucus. Fenugreek, there are various ways of spelling it, but F-E-N-U-G-R-E-E-K, fenugreek. Righto. Now, if if I take it, do I take it in, in a capsule form because I like capsule form? Okay. Yeah. Now, look, I mean, if, if you if you take it in a capsule form, that's great. Uh, uh, Aussies don't don't normally like taking some of these exotic spices, I know. Uh, but you can get it in an encapsulated form. Obviously, you you pay for the encapsulating process. If you yeah, were that's... if you were to do that, the downside is the therapeutic dose, which is round about five grams. Would see you needing to take quite a few capsules a couple of times a day to equate with that simpler uh, teaspoonful dosage. But uh, look, everyone's different. I have patients who have been on and who've been taking, say, three capsules a day, which in their case was sufficient to do a job of work on the sinuses. So um, you can give that a go to start. um, All right, thank you very much. And see how you go with it. All right. you have a happy day and thank you very much. Thank you, Peter. Thank
0: you, Peter. Thanks for your call. And before we go on to more fenugreek, or maybe this will be too, Judith has rung in from Valentine. Judith, you have a question about Meniere's disease. Yeah? Yes, I was diagnosed on Wednesday. Yes. And I was wondering if you had anything besides the scripts that I have to take. Now, Dennis.
1: Your, your doctor's what scripted, um, Cirque and Stematol? The
0: Stematol yeah. and... Um, did you say Circ Yes. Yeah, but better histamine.
1: Yeah. Okay. Look, um, that's fairly standard medication, and it's it's good medication. Uh, did your doctor prescribe this uh, preventatively or ongoingly? In other words, did he prescribe it to cope with an episode, or did he prescribe it for you to take ongoingly? Ongoingly, because it's really bad. Okay. Look, if it is severe you must, let me emphasize, you must abide by what your GP has prescribed. This this medication has stood the test of time and I've been practicing complementary medicine for many years. I don't know too many patients that have had problems taking that uh, prescription medication. I would go on to that. Then down the track, depending on how you go, and you can Google this for yourself, there is a herb that I have prescribed uh, sometimes for people who occasionally would epi- experience an episode of this condition, uh, characterised by vertigo and nausea, and, and etc. And it is, it is an English herb called wood betony.
0: Wood betony? Yes.
1: Now, betonica, B-E-T-O-N-I-C-A, betonica is its botanical name. It occurs in the 1983 edition of the British Herbal Pharmacopeia, which is the modern Bible of of Western herbalism, have a look at that. But in the meantime, let me come down and say you must follow what your GP says uh, and and get some benefit, and then down the track you might feel inclined, particularly in discussion uh, with your GP, to try something softer to see if that remedy addresses any residual level of symptoms you're experiencing.
0: Okay, then. Dennis, um, we do have other uses. We do. There are other uses for the herb fenugreek, aren't there?
1: We do. Look, it's um, quite interesting. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about um, this herb since last uh, week and um, just doing some research. And my interest in herbs, of course, sees me constantly sitting in my garden study Uh, contemplating these herbs and thinking about them. But with this remedy, which is so used in many, many parts of the world, it has benefits, particularly relative to where those parts of the world are. We said a moment ago in in the West, in in Europe uh, and in in, uh, English-speaking countries, uh, the herb is more used in conventional, uh, how can I call it, conventional medical procedures, that is in countries where uh, the use of natural drugs perhaps is is encouraged a little bit more than what it is in Australia. It is used for addressing, as I've said, uh, elevated levels of cholesterol. And I always preface my comments with cholesterol by saying moderately elevated levels of cholesterol, and particularly where uh, cholesterol management uh, has not yielded or cannot be tolerated, uh, with with statin drugs, but also, also the same herb that can benefit elevated cholesterol levels has a remarkable reputation also as being hypoglycemic. That is, it has an ability to participate in helping blood sugar levels uh, remain more stable. Now, this is something that um, I'm fully aware with because um, I was originally diagnosed quite a few years ago now as being insulin resistant or type 2. And as a result of that, embarked on a procedure which is now seen my HbA1c levels down to about 6 and my my blood sugar levels be excellent, much to the uh, surprise of my very friendly and long-standing GP. Uh, But with reference to blood sugar levels, for people out there, who have been told again by their health professional, by their doctor in particular, look, you have to do something because you're drifting towards diabetes. One of the things with a very great reputation is the ongoing, daily, regular use of fenugreek as a means of bringing that blood sugar level down. Your doctor again can monitor it, and if it's working, as I suspect it will, you should be able to see within a reasonable period of time an improvement in the blood sugar levels. It's another food, regardless of how you take it, it's another food with medicinal properties, in this case, not just cholesterol reduction, but as a food, as a remedy to participate in getting that blood sugar level down. Keeping in mind, um, type 2 diabetes now is epidemic proportion. In the, in, in the Western world, uh, we eat too much sugar, too many carbohydrates. The good life has seen an ex- explosion in type 2 diabetes. We have to address it, and I've mentioned on this program over the years, many foods that can help this procedure. And one of them is a regular, medicinal, daily use of fenugreek in any form, liquid, powder, or encapsulated uh, forms, with, of course, good dietary advice. If you do that, I'm convinced you'll see some benefit. A remarkable herb, a remarkable herb.
0: It's amazing, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's mm-hmm. a wonder you need yeah. any more in the cabinet.
1: <laughs> I, 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 have, I, I eat a lot of curry, and um, I, I know these spices back the front, and it might interest the listeners to know that my, my reading, of course, has been very is vast. And I have studied most systems of traditional medicine, uh, and I've lectured and uh, lectured at a postgraduate level, particularly on Ayurvedic level, which uses a lot of these spices. But in recent times, I've been uh, increasingly interested in what we might refer to as the medicines of the Islamic culture. And I think I mentioned last week that uh, I did a program in Melbourne years ago, and one of my students, a, a lovely man, was a Lebanese uh, gastroenterologist who, who practiced Islam. And the last night we of the seminar, which was a year-long program, he took me out for, for dinner, I remember it well, and he gave me a book uh, which was entitled Medicine of the Prophet. Uh, and that book has helped me greatly to appreciate uh, the, 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 the great benefits of many herbs particularly used within uh, that community and fenugreek Fenugreek was right at the list, at the top of the list, and so esteemed by the prophet that he wrote particularly on that. So uh, I know a little bit about this herb.
0: Fenugreek mm. is wonderful. Now, Peter, uh, you're concerned about your daughter who has vertigo, and you're asking whether she might get some help from Ginkgo. Uh,
1: yeah, hi, thanks, Lady Jane. Hey, Dennis. Hello, Peter, uh, how are you doing? My daughter's been okay. diagnosed with the yeah, the and um it okay. affects her quite badly at sometimes okay, okay. Um, yeah uh, has she been um, obviously she's been properly medically investigated and, yes. uh, all, yeah yeah that's right all, and all, then hmm. um I heard somebody say, "Look, get her on to Genko because that okay. could be beneficial okay. with okay. the symptoms and, and how effects. old how old is your daughter peter uh she's forty oh, okay that that's okay she uh, without wanting to sound offensive or anything like that, she's not using any unusual diets or has gone to no, any great weight no. loss programs or, or anything like that, or iron levels, all these things your doctor would have done or her doctor yes, would have yes. done, I'm sure. Look, uh, yes, um, again, I know a fair bit about ginkgo. Um, I don't want to sound as if I'm blowing my own trumpet. I don't need to, but ginkgo um, uh, was first lectured on in this, com- in this country by myself. I gave the first lectures at Blackmore's in Balgala uh, when ginkgo had just taken off in this country, and I participated in the development of a ginkgo tablet with a company called Greenridge Botanicals, which was based in Toowoomba. Now, the interesting thing about ginkgo, Peter, is that if you were to hit your computer and punch, punch that uh, name in, you'll be sitting there for hours with the mass of material, That is available with reference to this herb. The reason being, it is a modern um, preparation. Ginkgo, of course, is the oldest tree on the planet. It belongs to a a previous uh, evolutionary era. If you look at the shape of the flower, although I'm sorry, the leaf, you'll understand what I'm saying. You'll see that it goes way, way, way back. Now, the leaf of the ginkgo, particularly in the fall, or or the autumn, turns uh, an amber color. Now, the amber colour of the of the leaf at that time of the year indicates the presence of a particular group of interesting flavonoids. Now, the Germans uh, did a lot of work on ginkgo in recent times. It has been used in Chinese medicine, but for different purposes. The Germans took up its chemistry and developed what was called a ginkgo biloba extract, GBE, and it is used very much so on the continent by a large percentage of the European population particularly the elderly people who amongst other things frequently experience vertigo and also experience other conditions particularly with reference to circulation etc. One of the indications for ginkgo is vertigo. Now um, not all vertigos and this is why I emphasize that the vertigo would need to be seen to be something that was not um, uh, related to dietary indiscretions or other things but uh, ginkgo of, um, how can you call it, uh, nondescript causes where everything's been exhausted. In that situation, it's worthwhile giving it a go. It has a reputation for vertigo, but all the literature on on, on ginkgo will, uh, will confirm what I'm going to say, that it is not a drug that works overnight. Uh, I recommend ginkgo for many, many conditions because the Uh, Herb now is is popularly produced by Australian companies in in, in good strengths, with recommended dosages, with good indications that have been approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration. But if you go on to Ginkgo, the literature that I use and refer to points out that in most cases, it has to be taken for a period of time before you start to notice any benefit. And uh, your daughter, if she were to go on to this, uh, should be aware of that. That a quiet perseverance with it uh, would be something that would be expected. I would say at least three, maybe six months, to be able oh, okay. to, to be able to get any uh, indication of how it's uh, going to go. Uh, but I'd be giving it a go. But also, Peter, don't overlook uh, the the herb that I mentioned previously to a listener, uh, which is a herb that I have uh, lectured on and used and prescribed. For many many years, is not well known. Uh, it's a, a lovely little herb called wood betony. Now, wood wood is distinctly European. It's distinctly Anglican. Uh, my herbal background is basically uh, having read and studied the great English um, herbalists. And wood betony uh, is a remedy that any English-trained herbalist uh, who knows their stuff would see as having potential benefit. For vertigo, obviously vertigo that is is manageable and vertigo that's not associated, say, with anything sinister. So I, if I was your daughter, I'd be uh, giving the wood betony uh, herb. Is that readily available? To- oh, yes, it is. Uh, any herbalist, any uh, compounding uh, pharmacist uh, would have wood betony uh, on their shelf as a liquid extract, about two mils, Uh, three times daily would be worthwhile trying. But at the same time, I would recommend uh, a ginkgo preparation. They're pretty well all the same strength these days, but a practitioner uh, product taken, say, one tablet twice daily, I think that might do something for your daughter, Peter. I can't vouch for it. I haven't examined or talked to your daughter or even consulted her. The examination would have obviously been competently carried out by her, her doctors, But they're the things that I would recommend off the cuff that you try. Excellent. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And thanks for your
0: call, Peter, and hope uh, all goes well Mm. there. Now, uh, Catherine's rung in from New Lambton. Catherine, you're concerned about your daughter. She's about to turn 12, and she has acne. Um, You're wondering what might help. Is that right? That's correct, yes. Hello, Catherine. Just just, hello, Dennis. How are
1: you? I'm very well. Uh,
0: that's good. So yes, my daughter's almost 12. Um, she just started breaking out around her hairline and, uh, you know, on her cheek and chin with some acne, which doesn't look too angry at this stage. Mm-hmm. But I was just wondering if there's anything, any advice you had for
1: this. Okay, look, I've worked through this with, with my own daughters. Um, yeah. It it Look, it's a condition that may not develop into anything serious. On the other okay. hand, um, some acne's do. Convert into a, a very serious state, and, and to mm-hmm. be fair, and to be fair, the the treatment then, in my opinion, warrants uh, full-on uh, medical management, and the, sure. uh, and whilst uh, one of the medications is is pretty strong stuff with potential side effects, it mm-hmm. would seem to be one of the only uh, drugs available that lessens the drift towards uh, cystic and st- scarring acne look no. have you have you seen your GP about it, Catherine?
0: Not yet, no, it's only sort of just started in the last couple of weeks, okay. so it's just something I've noticed and I'm keeping okay. my eye on it
1: um, I don't want to be personal or anything, but your daughter's twelve has she yes. is, is she menstruating?
0: No, not yet..
1: Okay. look, sometimes um, this can be is obviously associated with hormonal change in the yes. literature, in the literature. Uh, and you can get your your daughter or yourself to Google this, Um, Mm -hmm. the herb Vitex agnus castus uh, has a reputation of benefit in moderate, um, low-grade, hormonally-based acne. It has some uh, characteristics which I've found useful. It certainly isn't an Antibiotic, so uh, it can't mm-hmm. be seen to compete with minocycline or any of the other medications that are prescribed. Try her yeah, on, sure. try on a, a little bit of Vitex Agnus Castus, um, you can get it um, uh, in your Lampton uh, from any you know the places in your Lampton to try it. Yes, I uh, It's, yes. it's, it's, it's um, a great little remedy, T- try that, but yeah. but. Um, with my uh, second daughter's um, situation, her acne became a little bit more uh, aggressive. and right. I, will, I might surprise listeners when I say that um, recommending uh, through our very good GP on the Central Coast that she uh, sustain a period of time on minocycline a well-known antibiotic that a doctor can prescribe, that did remarkable benefits for my my daughter, whose skin today uh, bears no evidence of ever having it. But yet when she was uh, well into her teens, I would say she would be, I'm trying to think of the lovely lady now. Uh, She's not listening to this. But she would probably be about 16 or 17 when it started to get to that point where, no, I, a medicinal approach, a, a pharmaceutical approach, and I have a bit yeah. of regard for Minamycin, for, for acne, and I, she went on to a course of that. I think she was only on it for about three, four months, uh, and yeah. it, it did a great job on it. And I remember, uh, I'm, I'm basically saying here, Catherine, not to be uh, too concerned if your daughter has to sustain um, yeah. a, a, your, your doctor prescribing an antibody, because I saw a lass in Cessnock, um, a couple of years ago now, lovely lass came down uh, from um, up up the country with her two elderly um, parents um, she they had all had a reluctance being being country people they had a reluctance for um, uh, what you might call pharmaceutical mainstream medicine. Uh, a lot of country people feel that way they like to be in control of themselves, and that 's great but this lass um, was in a bit of a mess, and they came to see if I could recommend anything in the natural world that would do better than what they were doing. And I said, no, there isn't. Uh, This young lady needs to see her GP uh, Mm -hmm. and go on to a mainstream antibiotic because if she doesn't, she's going to have some nasty scarring. Um, Right. In this case, and what I mean, it's up to the GP what antibiotic he prescribes or doesn't prescribe. But based on my daughter's experience, I said, discuss with your GP uh, a course on on minimicin. And um, I know there's, you know, people huff and puff about that even in the medical profession. They'll say, Who's Dennis Stewart talking about these things? Well, I've been through it with my own kids. And I recommended this to this young lady, and she came back in about three to four months later, essentially just to show me uh, a good, what a good job had been done. She was on a very, very, very minimal dose of the antibiotic. She was back at university, happy, content skin was magnificent. So I guess what I'm saying is there is a point where, um, with this condition, in order to do justice to to the children, uh, to stop them going down the pathway of nasty acne, and I've seen too much of that in earlier days, discuss with your GP when you think it's ready. If there's no response to what I've said with Vitex, discuss with your GP what I've said today.
0: Dennis Stewart, Gillian has rung in from Singleton and you have a question about having had chronic staph in your nasal cavity and now also your sinus cavity, yes? Yes, that's correct.
1: Hello, Gillian. Um, Are are you on antibiotics presently? Uh,
0: No, I have had um, them periodically. um, Okay. uh, Yes, but um, they don't... It doesn't seem to do
1: anything. Okay. So you've had this chronic staph infection uh, in your nasal passages for many, many years, since you've been yes. about five years of age. Correct, And yes. in, And you're now 60. Uh, in, in
0: a week or two, yeah.
1: Well, you're only a baby anyway. So, look, yes. there's a good, good chance we can help. Um, a, a herbal medicine approach uh, would be to use herbs that have what we refer to in our trade as antimicrobial characteristics. That is, they are used classically to treat long-standing, chronic, and recurring infections. Now, in the um, in the sinus area, the combination of two American antimicrobial herbs, which you must have heard me talk on this program um, frequently, The two herbs that uh, always, or in fact the three herbs, but the two most important would be uh, Echinacea and uh, the remarkable American herb Golden Seal. Now, Echinacea, Golden Seal, but uh, also with a herb that might be a little bit difficult to get hold of, but most herbal dispensaries would stock it, is the other American uh, member of of the trio called Wild Indigo botanically known as BAPTISIA, B-A-P-T-I-S-I-A. Now, also what I would be doing is reinforcing those antimicrobials, which would be taken in a liquid uh, medication. Uh, Well, you can also probably get it in a tableted form, but a, a, a herbal dispensary would probably put it together for you if you have up where you are a compounding pharmacist or a herbalist that has a dispensary. They could put those three herbs together for you, and um, you would be required, of course, to be on them for quite some time. But having said that, um, I would also suggest that in order to pro- uh, to improve the environment within the uh, sinuses, the nasal passages, start to use some fenugreek even as a as a supplement along the way, not in conjunction or as part of the compound, but on its own as a capsule or a powder taken regularly. I think that if I was in your situation, I would not give up on it. I would try those herbs, realize you've had it all your life. So please don't expect the gentle system of herbal medicine that I represent to resolve the situation overnight. I know how these herbs work. They work beautifully, but as the great German medical practitioner and herbalist, Dr. Rudolf Weiss said, In his wonderful book that I've referred to for years, uh, the downside to the gentle remedies is that they take time to do their job. Mm -hmm. Try it, see how you go.
0: All the very best with that, and Gillian. And uh, just a comment from Amanda. Uh, She rang in from Cook's Hill, Dennis, and said that oatmeal soap is very good for acne. And also, I I, I would
1: have no question about that. I think that. um oatmeal soap is in my opinion good for most skin conditions the only comment i would make is that with acne which um, does involve in, in at some level some pustular development and infection it might be worthwhile also to alternate the or the oatmeal soap with say a tea tree based soap because tea tree uh, or tea tree soap has the tea tree oil in it which is very, very significantly antimicrobial. And I also noticed that Amanda has has said, no chalkies or fatty food. (laughs) Well, Amanda, you might be surprised that every seminar that I give on the skin, where I teach my students, uh, if you like, dietary hints about managing acne, I refer to a, a textbook or a book written by an American dermatologist. His name was Dr. Hone. H-O-E-H-N. It's still available. I purchased some recently from from, uh, Amazon for my students. Now, Hone in that book basically reiterates what you've said here, that chocolates, fatty foods, particularly those foods with saturated fats in them, congest or block the sebaceous uh, duct and create the basis for the acne lesion. So I would agree with you that from a dietary perspective, Uh, A diet that's rich in saturated fats or a diet that is rich in dairy products and particularly chocolate with its glass and a half, Uh, these things may not be the best for some people that are prone to acne. No guarantees, but it's worth a try. For the listeners out there, I'll mention the name of that book again, Dr. Hohen's book, Acne Can Be Cured. You can get it via Amazon. Uh, Interesting read. It's written for the lay public. So, Amanda, that was good comment. I agree with everything you've said.
0: Well, that's interesting that you say it's actually dairy food, Dennis, um, that, um, that is the problem as well, or part of the well, problem.
1: Well, Look, I'm not saying it's the, the, the basis of, of all of this problem. I'm yeah. a fan of the dairy industry. But in some people, um, dairy products with its saturated fat content Maybe a problem. This is why what we used to call skim milk yes. might be a better option.
0: Uh, oh, chocolate made with skim milk. Yes, I could cope with that. Could you?
1: <laughs> I, I, could, I couldn't.
0: Well, we've just got a few seconds more, but it's been a, a very interesting and varied we'll just, program. We we'll probably
1: won't talk about uh, fenugreek again for quite some time. I was going to go and look at um, another herb, a herb with female orientation, but before I go, let me just say in our parting gesture to fenugreek, Fenugreek is a remarkable remedy for women who want to feed their uh, children on the breast. All of my four kids were fed on my dear wife's breast, didn't do too badly. Um, Where um, a milk supply is diminished or where there's a need to try to encourage better milk production, fenugreek is known as a galactagogue and has a remarkable reputation in the Middle East for promoting lactation.
0: And it's been great to explore it. Thank you, Dennis Stewart. Thank you, Jane. And that's Health Naturally for today and we will be back next Friday to NURFM.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at
0: 2NURFM.com.